0: So the most famous European naturalist of this period actually published a book saying that all animals in North America were smaller and weaker and weedier than European animals. And like Jefferson and the other founders took this as a huge affront to their national honor. Welcome to another episode of America Explained, the podcast that brings the important voices and perspectives shaping American politics, foreign policy and culture to an international audience. Oh, oh, Hello and welcome to America Explained, the podcast whose joy it is to bring you an international perspective on US foreign policy and politics. I've been looking back over our recent catalogue of episodes and I saw that of the last five original episodes, no fewer than three had been about Donald Trump getting indicted. Now, that's partly just because Donald Trump is such a shady guy, but it's also because those were really, really historic events that were happening. But also, I don't want this podcast to always just be about the latest shady thing that Donald Trump did because there's no end to that. I could do like, you know, a million episodes a year about that. So in this episode, I wanted to talk about something completely different. Go for something interesting and historical, but also something which helps us to understand something deeper about how America came to be the America that it is today. Now, this month is the anniversary of the famous expedition by explorers Meriwether Lewis and William Clark. They returned back this month in September after crossing the American continent. They became one of the great national myths of the United States. Lewis and Clark is a phrase that is very very evocative to many Americans and, and many other people around the world. It evokes brave adventurers who conquered the frontier against all odds. And Lewis and Clark did become the first Americans to reach the Pacific Ocean overland. In the process they fought and negotiated with Native Americans They gathered a large amount of scientific and cartographic data, and they narrowly escaped capture by the Spanish. And there was, to be sure, a lot of heroism and skill involved in this expedition, even though the focus on Lewis and Clark individually is a bit strange when we consider that the expedition had nearly 50 members, including an enslaved African-American called York, and Sacagawea, who was a Native American teenager who'd been forced into a marriage with a French fur trapper who was part of the expedition. But telling the story as one about individual heroism can only really take us so far. I think it's also important to zoom out and ask why Lewis and Clark set out on this expedition and what its results were. Because if we do that we get an important insight into American history in the early 19th century when the remorseless conquest of the North American continent was just beginning. So that's what I'm going to do in today's episode as we mark the anniversary of Lewis and Clark's return. I'm going to talk not about the expedition as a feat of heroism by a small group of people, but rather I'm going to explore what it tells us about American history during this period and the kind of nation that America was becoming. We hope you enjoy America Explained. If you do, please tell a friend about the show or consider checking out our newsletter. You can find a link to the newsletter in the show notes and if you sign up, you'll receive a couple of posts a week on all kinds of topics about America today and also America in history. If there's a particular historical episode that you'd like us to talk about on America Explained or indeed any other topic, then drop us an email at producer at america explaincom That's producer at america-explain.com. You can find a link to that in the show notes as well. So What does it mean to say that something is a historical myth? It doesn't mean that something didn't happen, but rather it means that the way that we commonly understand and tell the story of an event leaves some things out or embellishes some things in order to make a particular point. And the funny thing about historical myths is that they actually have a history of their own and they can often take root a long time after the events that they're about. We can very much see this process with Lewis and Clark. So their expedition ended in 1806, but it was actually largely forgotten about for most of the 19th century. So Americans in the the 1800s weren't really talking about this amazing event that had taken place when Lewis and Clark had crossed the continent. Actually, a much more sensational story at the time, but one that we've now largely forgotten, was an expedition by a guy called Zebulon Pike who set out to do similar things to Lewis and Clark, but he ended up accidentally crossing into the Spanish Empire in Northern America, getting captured by the Spanish, and then eventually going back to America and telling his story and publishing a kind of sensationalist memoir about what he'd done. So Pike was this kind of dashing heroic figure. He later died not long afterwards um, in in the War of 1812 between Britain and America, so he was a much more well-known guy. Whereas Lewis and Clark, nobody was really talking about them in the 19th century. But by the time that the 20th century rolled around, so after the West had been won and there was no more frontier, the Lewis and Clark expedition was kind of rediscovered and celebrated as this historic moment of of kind of the beginning of the conquest of the frontier. And it came to be framed as an expedition that had mostly been kind of peaceful, scientific. It had been this kind of voyage of science and discovery. And this was taken in turn to symbolize the character of the American nation and the way that America had come to colonize the you know the land that it is currently on in on the north american continent and this view of lewis and clark's expedition has been kind of scientific and heroic and this exciting tale of discovery still has a really you know a lot of influence over pop culture today and how we view that expedition today but Actually, if we want to really understand what this expedition was about and what its consequences were, then we have to really discard this way of looking at it. Because what Lewis and Clark's journey actually was, was a military expedition organized by the American state designed to clear the way for the conquest of North America and the dispossession of its native inhabitants by bloody force if necessary. And everything else was incidental to that goal. To fully understand this, you have to place the expedition in the context of its time. So in 1803, American President Thomas Jefferson concluded the Louisiana Purchase, which in you know this this was the biggest, kind of the best land deal in history, in which the American government bought the rights to a huge tract of the North American continent from France. It's a bit hard to describe the outlines of the Louisiana Purchase on a podcast, but it's basically the middle chunk of what is now the United States, from the Appalachian Mountains to the Rockies. So it wasn't just about what we now call the state of Louisiana, but it was this massive, massive, massive chunk of the North American continent. And in fact, this one transaction actually doubled the size of the United States as it stood at that time. And it basically opened up, you know, enough land for millions and millions of settlers, enough for the US to spend decades and decades filling up. But there's also a, a really crazy thing about the Louisiana Purchase, and here it is, that's the fact that no white man had ever been to large parts of the land that Jefferson bought. In fact, nobody could even agree on what exactly Jefferson had bought, because large parts of the territory and its boundaries weren't mapped. This was a kind of a weird result of the way that European empires had gone about carving up America when they first arrived there. So under something called the Doctrine of discovery, Europeans claimed that whoever set foot on a piece of land had the exclusive rights to dispossess the native inhabitants of that land and to take it from them. So after this sort of claim was made under the doctrine of discovery, it meant that no other white nation could make a similar claim and that the rights of the native inhabitants could only be taken away by the nation that originally got there. So basically whoever got there first owned that land. Kind of like in Star Trek when they say that they're going to go when no man has gone before but whenever they get there there's always like other species of men there right there's other aliens there so there are already people there in this place where no people have gone before and the doctrine of discovery was kind of the same thing so the european powers said we've arrived in this place that you know has never sort of you know seen the foot of a white man step on it before And that means we claim the right to it. And France did this in 1682 when French explorers were probably actually the first white people to ever set foot on the basin of the Mississippi River. And they claimed ownership of essentially the entire Mississippi River and any land that drained into it. Now, if you know a bit about American geography, you'll know that that's a huge, huge chunk of the United States. But at the time, no one knew exactly how big that area was and exactly where it ended and such forth. So France had claimed this huge chunk of territory without really knowing exactly what it was. And the French never colonized or even explored all of this land. So when they sold it, to Jefferson and and to the United States under this same kind of vague definition of encompassing all of the land that the Mississippi River drained into, its boundaries were still unknown. And that's why shortly after the purchase, Jefferson started outfitting expeditions to gather information about the Louisiana Territory. And it's true that part of Jefferson's reasons for doing this were scientific, so Jefferson had a huge interest in botany and biology and cartography and all different kinds of, of science, but he also married these things to American nationalism in interesting ways. So a very popular idea in European scientific circles in the late 1700s was that everything that lived in North America was somehow just a degenerate version of something that could be found in Europe so the most famous european naturalist of this period actually published a book saying that all animals in north america were smaller and weaker and weedier than european animals and like jefferson and the other founders took this as a huge affront to their national honor so you no know, as a nation that had just gained independence and at the time was busy trying to convince the european countries to take it seriously and kind of view it as an equal power you know that should um, have its opinions respected the founders and jefferson particularly thought that it was like a huge threat to this goal if the europeans thought that north america was just this kind of barbaric degenerate place where you know proper animals couldn't even exist because the climate and the natural environment wasn't kind of good enough to support them somehow So Jefferson dedicated like a lot of his time to disproving this theory and you know he would actually like at one occasion in Europe he actually arranged for the skeleton of an enormous moose to be delivered to Europe so that he could show it to various French naturalists and try to disprove this idea and prove that America had big animals too. So one of the things that Jefferson wanted Lewis and Clark to do on their expedition was to gather information about American flora and fauna to show that America American things could be really big and strong too, you know, and it was this was a serious country that ought to be respected. So the scientific parts of this expedition were bound up in some ways with, with nationalism vis-a-vis Europe. But much more important in terms of what the expedition was supposed to do was that it was supposed to lay the way for American settlers to eventually penetrate into the Louisiana Territory and take the land there away from native peoples who already lived there and, you know, whose ancestors had lived there for thousands of years. It was not primarily a scientific expedition, but it's best to understand it more as a kind of reconnaissance mission before a war. So part of his job was to gather information about the various native peoples who lived in the Louisiana Territory. Things like what their languages were, what their customs were, what relationships they had with one another, whether they were warlike or peaceful and what technology they had, right? So if it came to or or when it came to a military clash between white settlers and these tribes, how was that going to go? You know, they, they were gathering information about this. And the expedition was also supposed to gather information about trading opportunities and the rivers and waterways which would eventually be used to move the produce of American farmers who would move into the Louisiana territory because back at the beginning of the 19th century it was very very expensive and slow to move things over land so it was much more economic to settle territory if there were rivers and waterways that you could move farm produce down. So mapping these rivers was really really important to kind of opening this land up for colonization and trying to figure out Where should be colonized. The expedition was also supposed to do something much more direct, which was actually to itself begin the process of conquest and dispossession. So because of the fact that even though America had bought the rights to this land from France, those rights were not acknowledged by the native peoples who actually lived in the Louisiana territory. In fact most of the peoples in this region did not even have a concept of ownership of land within their culture because they generally were pastoralists or you know kind of um, hunters who moved around or they engaged in some agriculture, but they would plant an area for a period of time, then they would move somewhere else. So they didn't have an idea that you could own land and deny its usage forevermore to another culture. Now, they had no doubt heard stories of the white men who arrived to massacre tribes and declare large tracts of the country off, off limits to hunting and settling. And the European idea of the doctrine of discovery said that once a white country had the right to an area of land, it alone could force or bargain the nation. There to actually hand possession over. But the process of doing that and, and, you know, coming up against another culture that just had a completely different conception of land ownership and a completely different conception of how the land should be used. This was always a long and bloody process, and so even though the Louisiana Purchase like on paper doubled the size of the United States, a huge chunk of that was this unceded Native American land that Native Americans have no intention of of handing over to the U.S. So the main purpose of the Lewis and Clark expedition was actually to begin this process of conquering that land from those Native American nations. Wherever Lewis and Clark went, they declared American sovereignty over the land. They informed native peoples that they were now under the control of the great father Jefferson in Washington. They also handed out medals and flags which served to symbolize this relationship and symbolize this, this um, expression of sovereignty over them and their land. Lewis and Clark and the other members of the expedition also carried a fearsome arsenal of military technology which was intended to frighten and overawe the native peoples and make them less likely to resist dispossession later on. All of these were also customary steps which had been taken by previous European empires when they were first staking their claim to particular lands. Even actually the cataloging of knowledge about plants and animals and geography doing this in a particular region was also part of the process of conquest because taking possession of the knowledge of a region was seen as one step in taking physical control over it, in in demonstrating sovereignty over it you had to show that you understood it. So these scientific endeavors were also part of that process. Lewis and Clark actually eventually left the limits of the Louisiana Territory and they even went all the way to the Pacific Ocean so that that's in what is nowadays Washington State. At the time this was disputed territory which was claimed by numerous empires including Britain and Russia and it would take nearly a century for the actual territory of the US to catch up with them and complete its journey to this last bit of the Pacific coastline. That was a century of bloody conquest and ethnic cleansing. But the way that we remember Lewis and Clark often hides that fact. If we think about this as a peaceful scientific endeavour to explore and catalogue information about a land that America had come to own due to buying it from France, it seems relatively benign. And it's this way that the expedition has been remembered in America's national mythology. But if we instead realise that the land that America bought from France was actually really only French on paper, and that the expedition was the first step in brutally dispossessing and and likely, you know, as it turned out, massacring the native tribes. we see the expedition much differently. So as we approach the anniversary of the conclusion of Lewis and Clark's expedition, I think it's really important to remember that historical events have to be understood in all of their nuance and complexity. Only by really taking a close look at the context in which an event happens or in which an individual acted can we really get to grips with it and what it might mean for us today. I think that's something that, you know, it really gets lost in a lot of political debates today over historical events and whenever historical examples are invoked to support contemporary political arguments, we often lose a lot of that nuance and complexity. You know, the tapestry of American history is made up of many, many shades of gray, and we have to work really hard to understand and unravel that together. So. That's what I try to do on this podcast, or it's one of the things that I try to do on this podcast. And again, if there's another topic in American history that you'd like me to take a deeper look at, then please do send me an email at producer at america-explained.com. That's producer at america-explained.com. Thanks again for listening, and I look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks for listening to America Explained, which is brought to you by host Andy Gorforth and researcher, editorial assistant, and sometimes co-host Catherine Wood. If you like America Explained, please consider checking out our free newsletter, which you can find a link to in the show notes. That's all for this episode, and I look forward to speaking to you next time.